With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast. Bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, we're talking Chris Hill retirement, and Utes are making a run in the NIT. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. Hey, Ute Nation. And Scott. Hey, 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 hey. Nice, nice <laughs> intro, Scott. <laughs> All right. Good as to you be can, here. And as you can tell, Ryan and Scott are on location. I'm in the studio, but they're too good to come down and meet with me. Oh, wait a minute. I'm I'm just phoning it in. We've been recording for ten seconds, and Cameron throws us into the bus already. <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> well, the news broke today that Chris Hill, after 31 years up at the Hill as the athletic director for the University of Utah, is stepping down this spring. First thoughts: what what went through your minds, guys? Well, I uh, I'm not real surprised. I think it's kind of been rumored that it was coming for for some time. Um, and I mean, 31 years on the job in as a athletic director at a major institution that's uh, kind of unheard of. So, not real surprised by it, but I uh, I'm not sure we fully understand uh, um, the impact that he's made at Utah. And getting a new athletic director, you know, somebody who's obviously not going to be quite as experienced, most likely, whether they stay in house or go outside. But um, I think I think you're going to see over the next several years what a great athletic director and just a leader we have here. Um, so it's, it'll be interesting. But uh, man, he sure accomplished a whole lot and did a lot for the university over those 31 years. Gordon Monson disagrees with you. Gordy, Gordon Monson, yeah, well. I guess initially I was actually kind of surprised. I don't, I mean, Scott's right. I think there were, there have been some rumors out there that it possibly may be coming, but I think maybe until you hear it, you don't ever think that it's going to happen because he's been, he's been with the program, with the, with the university for so long. That he, you just don't think that that's ever we're going to take place. But, um, but you know, Scott's right. He's, he's done a lot, a lot of great things, and he's had some. I'm probably fair to say that he's had some blunders along the way with, with uh, not only some poor hires, but some other blemishes maybe you can say on this record but I mean but overall if you like st- take a step back and look at the whole picture he, he where he's brought the program from the days in the lack 
to where they are now in the Pac-12 with some BCS bowl games and football, Final Four and basketball. Obviously, gymnastics is always highly ranked and women's volleyball and softball and, and and recently baseball. I mean, there's a lot of the, a lot of the programs are doing really well under under his leadership. So it'll be interesting baseball. to see how. <laughs> well, a couple of years ago it was good. Now it's not so good. But <laughs> well, he's definitely been a polarizing leader. I mean, uh, an athletic director in the state. I mean, there's been controversy. He's gotten involved in things, whether it's BYU related, other mountains of the world going off on him. So he's he's had his blemishes, but at thirty for thirty one years on a job as that as high profile as that is, you're gonna have your mistakes, your blemishes. Oh, you sure. know, the 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 incident with uh, the swimming coach is kind of a black eye on on him, but he owned it. He uh, you know, he fixed it after the fact and uh, I mean you you look at his hires, he made three football hires in thirty one years. Uh, McBride, Urban Meyer, and Kyle Whittingham. So completely, I mean, just rock stars all over the place there. And uh, Jack Letty and Boylan, you know, didn't work out. But, you know, you kind of make up for it with what you did with uh, the Bring Majerus in and, and now with Larry. I mean, I think hiring-wise, he's done about as good as you could really expect out of an, an AD. And... uh so it's it'll be interesting to see um, you know where the Utes go from here, uh, but I, I think he's going to definitely be missed. You know, for me, I think there's there's kind of two things I'll remember Chris Hill for. Uh, the first one is a couple of seasons ago in football, uh, I, when it was you know back to back seasons of, of five and seven, and Utah's not going to a bowl game for a second year in a row, and then there all this press started coming out about Winningham not getting an extension. Uh, and, you know, fans really turned on Chris Hill. And I, I believe, Scott, you were at the basketball game right after that all happened. And and I'll remember the fans started booing him when he came out. Yeah. And just what it did to him physically just proved to me how much he cared and how much he loved that university. And after 31 years, he gave everything he could to that university, and I think it's shown what we what we've been discussing about how far he's taken the athletic department as a whole and everything he's done there. Uh, my second memory that I'll have of him and is when Ron McBride got let go. I don't think that was an easy decision. McBride was beloved by the fans. He took yeah, no, it was football. Popular. Yeah, and he, he took Utah football out of nothing and made it into a conference contender and, and won bowl games and, and did all that and really started the program moving forward. And I don't think that was an easy decision on having to let him go. But he did it, and, and look what happened since then. And so for me, it just proves that Chris Hill loved this university, loved this athletic program, and he did things that weren't easy because he knew they were the right things to do. You're right. The fans love McBride. The fans still love McBride. And that probably wasn't an easy decision even for Chris Hill, but he had to do what leaders have to do sometimes. They see 
the potential. They they have a vision of where they see the program going. And he made it probably an unpopular decision, but when you look back, it probably was the right decision because look at what's happened since. Well, and I, I think you add in just you look at where college athletics is today and what a big business it has turned into from 31 years ago to where it is now. I mean, it's it's not even the same not even the same product and where there's so much greed and corruption and cheating going on in college athletics because of the money that's associated with it and and the uh, and the importance of placed on winning and you look at schools around our around in our own very conference who are being caught so issues are coming up and uh, you know here Larry was a few years ago, decides to uh, cancel a series with BYU. He stands behind his coach, uh, which, you know, uh, uh, to a, a large portion of the state was not real popular. And uh, and that brought in an audit that, uh, that really Utah passed with flying colors. Sure, there was a few things here and there, whether it's missing keys or whatever else the they wanted to come up with, but I mean, he ran a, he ran a clean program and uh, he was successful in obviously in the major sports, but even in the Olympic sports, I mean, he's done so much and he's done it the right way. He said that, you know, there's so much attention paid to Kyle Whittingham and the football program for that family atmosphere. But I think, I think uh, Chris Hill uh, has kind of set a precedence uh, within the athletic department on what is, um, the culture and what is uh, how things should be done, and so I mean I think he he probably deserves a lot of credit for things that you know we just don't see or pay attention to all that much. And so now Utah embarks in something they haven't done in over thirty years. I, Chris Hill's the only AD that's ever been around since I've been born, so it's going to be interesting uh, on where they go. Do you guys have any speculation? I know there's been some names thrown out there, but just, I mean, first day thoughts on, on who potentially could be names that Utah fans could be hearing. If you're going to look inside the program, there's the Kyle Brennan, who I think is uh, very well liked. Um, and from what you hear, has a lot of potential. And, you know, as we all know, he attempted to leave a couple of years ago for Montana state and a couple of days into the job decided to change his mind and come back. And you kind of have to wonder if maybe he was told or promised something that if he comes back, maybe within a year or two, he could get the job. But then you, you kind of have to say, well, maybe there's, it's worth doing a national search and seeing what interest is out there and who you can find. So and I, to be honest, I have no idea. Yeah, I uh, obviously Kyle Brennan, I think, is probably the hot, uh, the hot name at the moment. But I mean, it's so early, you know, things are going to change drastically. But he may have the inside track for the very reason that you know he's so familiar with the program, they're familiar with him, and it's probably the safest pick. You're just going to keep the status quo and continue on and. Uh, you know, Chris Hill said himself today in a press conference that he's a superstar in the making. 
my my only concern with that is, you know, a lot of guys are very good number twos and um, don't doesn't always translate to uh, to being the guy. And so um, he is pretty young. Um, I, I kind of look at it similar to now that we're in the Pac-12, if you're replacing Kyle Whittingham in football, do you want to go get a first-time head coach or do you want to go get somebody that's proven who's already done it? And, um, as it, I mean, I think Utah, you know, we're not, uh, we're not a, a blue blood, but I think it's going to be a very attractive job for a lot of, uh, a lot of people in the business or maybe even outside of the business, um, because of the location, the conference, the, the past history, um, you know, Doug Noose, who uh, who was an associate AD under Chris Shills for a number of years, has has had quite a bit of success down at Nevada. Um, he may be an option um, if he throws his hat in the ring. So I'm I yeah, he did on Twitter today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's he's already so, already uh, posting his resume on Twitter for it. <laughs> but I I uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of names that kind of come start coming about and popping up. Um, but you know, it's interesting because the person that's making this hire is brand new herself and who knows what type of sports background she has, you know, and, uh, who's going to be helping her make that decision because it's not like she's done this before either. So, no, you're, um, like, you're right. And I would, I would hope that she would form some type of committee where there's a lot of input and, um, not just a, single well and and especially because an an ad right a a big major part of their position their job is fundraising so you got it i mean as much as it it may be a little uneasy to say some of the big boosters i think are going to have a say in who's the ad yeah they they may i mean you're gonna yeah your your utah power brokers are gonna be uh probably uh you know having a say in that and and uh from all accounts Kyle Brennan is very well liked and so that that may uh, that may play a factor in that but yeah I mean uh you go outside and get brand new blood from uh you know another part of the country or even stay here on the west coast or do you kind of stay close to what you know and um and maybe do an in-house uh it'll be an interesting an interesting decision but you know, I, I mean, I kind of look at it, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, Chris Hill's kind of looked at as a legend in the business. And so who who, who wants to follow him? You know, who wanted to follow Majerus at Utah? Well, we ended up with Jack Letty. How'd that work out? So um, is somebody, a big name guy, going to want to come in and follow the footsteps of Chris Hill? That could be a factor, too, and who puts their hat in the ring on this. So. I mean, obviously, it's way early. It just happened today, so I think there's a lot is going to change over the coming weeks and months as the search uh, kind of ramps up. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's looking like Kyle Brennan definitely may may uh, have the inside track. But there, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some other local local people who. Uh, maybe get mentioned or maybe in the running aren't necessarily ADs. So it'll be interesting to see, see what comes. All right. And that's kind of, you know, our initial thoughts 
on this uh, Chris Hill retirement. And it will be exciting, kind of interesting to see kind of what happens as, as Utah moves forward with the athletic department. Uh, before we move into basketball, I want to let you know that we're brought to you by Farmers Insurance for protecting your home, vehicle, and family. Look to Farmers Insurance. Call Scott Omer at 801-307-4046. All right, guys. So the running Utes are in the Big Apple. They're getting ready to play in the NIT semifinals against Western Kentucky. Who saw this coming at halftime during the UC Davis game when the three of us were sitting there in press row and Larry's been kicked out of the game? Honestly, how exciting has this run been after that going against LSU and St. Mary's? Larry's ejection was probably the smartest move of the season. (laughs) I mean, they've been playing really, really good basketball since that happened. And, I mean, that that first half, as you mentioned, it's, uh, UC Davis was just awful. Um, just kind of the, the prototypical Utah NIT games that we've seen in the past. But, I mean, this team, it's, uh, they've kind of, they've kind of rallied and I think they've kind of caught that, uh, um, enthusiasm just for postseason play. Yes, it is the NIT. It is not the NCAA tournament, but, you know, at this point, that's, it is what it is, and uh, if you're in it, go go win the dang thing. And uh, they're kind of they're playing like that. They're they're playing with some urgency and uh, uh, that you need in postseason play. And it's it's been a lot of fun to watch, especially. I mean, they just absolutely dismantled LSU. That was really not much of a game um, after the first few minutes. But that uh, St. Mary's game that was that was a lot of just a lot of fun to watch good basketball some moments of uh, by both teams that were were not real pretty but man it was just it was just a competitive ball game yeah it's been it's been actually really fun to watch unfortunately i haven't had a lot of didn't have a lot of opportunities during the regular season to catch a lot of games but i've been able to watch all of these nit games and you're right it's, it is the nit uh but as Scott said, it is what it is, and and they're they're playing well, and they're um with they're basically I mean they kind of go as Bivens goes. It's if he if he's leading them and he's and he's scoring, the team seems to be playing well, and uh, yeah, but he that's, to, that's the thing about that game is Bivens didn't play all that well against St. Mary's. You know, I mean, he was uh, he was he was okay in moments, but he wasn't shooting the ball that well. And here comes Rawson, puts the team on his back in that fourth quarter, and then Bearfield takes over in overtime. I mean, well, and, and Larry Bivens t- by far the best player on the team, and kind of the the driver. But fun to see these guys step up. God, I think that's a great point about you know different guys stepping up. Larry talked about that at, at practice before they took off to New York that with this team, they don't have a head on a snake that if you cut him off, the rest of the team will just die. Every single game, it seems like someone else is stepping up or a series of games, it's someone that's really dominating and then maybe they have an off game and someone else steps in and kind of takes over that role. I think that's one thing that makes this team so exciting is it really is 
a team game right now. You can really tell that this team loves playing ball together, and they constantly talk about how well this this season, this team is getting along and how mature they are. And Larry even said when they come to in New York, when they got there, that, yeah, they were going to have practice. They were going to take games seriously. But between those times, they were going to have fun and they were going to enjoy the moment and really enjoy New York and everything that this tournament has brought them. Yeah, I mean, you look at that, that game against St. Mary's, I mean, not many teams, Gonzaga is the only other team to go into St. Mary's and uh, and come away with a, a victory. So, I mean, it's not an easy place to play. We've had uh, no success that previously. And so to go in and under those circumstances to be able to get a win, I mean, I think that was huge. I mean, Colette doesn't play the second half because of a back injury. You're already limited with your minutes from Johnson because he gets into foul trouble and ultimately fouls out. And Bibbins, Bibbins was not, you know, spectacular. He he wasn't really hitting from uh, from the outside. And I mean, you get out rebounded. We got out rebounded uh, thirty-five to sixteen. Um, out outscored sixteen to two on second chance points on the road against you know, a team we've had no success with, and we win the game. I mean, that was just uh, to watch that. I mean, Bearfield gets hot late. Rawson just kept kept plugging away. Whenever St. Mary's went on a run, Rawson hit a big shot to keep Utah in it and to keep it close. And they just kept, they just kept battling. And I mean, I think that's the thing that I take away. Yes. You know, um, we didn't make the NCAA tournament this year, but when you really see this team and the preseason expectations and what they've turned into and just how gritty and tough they are, I mean, it's it's really to be pr- it's something to be proud of to watch these guys, and and hopefully it'll culminate in in uh, getting to play for a title and, and maybe even bring the thing home. So it'll be uh, it'll be exciting, but uh, I mean. They've they've shown a lot this year and over these last few games that I think um, have excited this fan base again. You kind of go back to what we talked about a few weeks ago when we, I think it was just before the Pac-12 tournament, we were talking about it and how we thought that the this team wouldn't really amount to much this year just based off of just looking at looking at them on paper and the amount of talent they have. Obviously, I mean, I, in my opinion, they think they've overachieved. I think a lot of that has to do with the coaching staff and their ability to look at what they have and and utilize each person's strengths and and build it with the team unity. And that that to me is probably. The, the most fun thing to watch is they, is they is over the course of the year watching watching get better and play as a team. So looking ahead, Utah's going up against Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky's had a pretty nice run themselves in the NIT. They beat Boston College, and then they go on the road and they beat USC. When and they had to come back from behind to win that game. They won you. Uh, they beat USC by four. And then they went to Oklahoma State and beat Oklahoma State on the road. I think a lot of people out there probably haven't heard a lot about Western Kentucky. Heck, I didn't know 
much about them at all um, until this matchup. But they're, I think they're a really good team. Uh, I mean, yeah, they've got some really impressive uh, wins here. I mean, uh, they went to USC in one. Granted, uh, that's without uh, USC's big man who's declared for the draft. Uh, granted, we weren't able to beat USC this year, and they've done it on the road uh, and then went to Oklahoma State, who uh, is a really talented team. So it's going to be a tough test. I mean, they're not they're not overly big. Um, but they do have some pretty good post scorers and, uh, and and look to be pretty athletic across the board, as you mentioned, Cam, with you know all five starters averaging uh, um, double figures. They've got a lot of ability both inside and out, so it's going to be a big test. I uh, uh, the youths are going to have to have to play really well, and uh, and and they're going to have to be balanced uh, with Colette Johnson down low, Rawson. And then be able to uh, hopefully Bearfield can keep going and uh, and get Bibbins back on track from the outside. But uh, it's definitely going to be a big a big test. And uh, to beat them, you're going to have to play like you did against St. Mary's. Because and and even if you get past Western Kentucky, Mississippi State's playing really good basketball as well. Um, Penn State, um, I would suspect on the other side of the bracket. Um, Mississippi State's going to win that thing, and uh, so it's it's not uh, it's not the easiest path because there's uh, some pretty good teams left uh, left in play there. And I think for me, what what kind of follow up what you're saying, Scott, kind of the keys for Utah is they got to control tempo. Uh, Western Kentucky, they like to push the ball, they like to get up and down, uh, kind of get a lot of their points down around the basket. So if Utah can, can slow that down, kind of play their game, that that will really restrict Western Kentucky, what they like to do. And then also, it's going to be a matchup, really, who takes Western Kentucky's Justin Johnson. He's a 6'7 senior, averaging a little over 15 points a game, uh, probably their best player. So it's really going to come down to how well can someone like a Beeler or a Tillman can really guard him and and really limit what he can do offensively. Okay, so I think that's kind of our final thoughts on this whole NIT tournament and and Utah going to the semifinals. Hopefully they can, you know, get that win against Western Kentucky and as Scott said, more than likely may face a, a Mississippi State. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At drum and feather. Drum the letter M feather. And Scott? Yeah, Uteman underscore forever on Twitter. And, uh, go Utes, baby. And you can follow me and the show on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. You can always find us at our home at utahmanpodcast.com. And, and you can always listen to us on anywhere you can find your favorite podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you listen, we're there. And go Utes. Go Utes. Yo, you do me tell I back a yike. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.